Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Well, Friday night we had another graduation. We had our little friend's graduation, and uh, we had uh, 20 graduates uh, VPK. And so they're going to be out there looking for jobs. So if you need a five-year-old, um, they're ready to meet your need. And uh, they're great and excited. And uh, um, it's pretty cool. You know, when you graduate, it is the next step into something, isn't it? It's, in a lot of ways, it shows you that the world just got bigger. There's more opportunities you can take advantage of. There's uh, more educational opportunity. There's more job opportunities. There's just the world becomes a bigger place. And when we graduate, it's important to take a moment and go, okay, what is God going to do next? It's so exciting to see you all take those steps because the world is a bigger place than we think it is. And that's the title of our message today. The world is bigger than you think from Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 23. It's important that we recognize the size of the world. I love to go out to the beach, and we were just recently on vacation uh, over in some islands about 150 miles to the east. And it's amazing to go out to the beach and see the stars, isn't it? And you just look at the size of creation, the amazing size of what God has made. And you start to think about what God is doing and what he does in the world and all that he's involved in. This is a huge God. I think it's important that we look at all that God is doing. I I love the fact that even though we didn't plan it this way, we moved like five times when our kids were in our home. They used to laugh anytime we would have the statement, okay, kids, we want to gather up and have a meeting. They knew that we would be moving soon. We moved from Florida to Kentucky to Texas to West Palm to Delray, all while the kids were in our home. But I'm glad that we did because it gave them a bigger view. There's other ways to do it, but it certainly gave them the view that the world is bigger than we think. We have a tendency to kind of build our our walls around us and insulate ourselves and kind of build our own place. And there's some some great things about that, right? We need to have friends. We need to have people that are close to us that we can count on to give us our world. But we also need to be aware that there's a world beyond that. The body of Christ is important. Friends are so important. I was talking to our students earlier, and we coined a new phrase, right? Don't let your body become a bubble, right? Don't let the body of Christ become a bubble. You don't see anything outside of that, right? Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for that. Um, There's a great big world out there. We need to understand how God wants us to engage with it and how we are to be involved and what he is doing. So look with me at Acts chapter 10. This passage has to be set up in context. As you know, if you're a student of the word at all, we have to understand the context of God's word. We don't just want to pull a a section out and go to town on that, especially when we're talking about a narrative section, that something is happening and the, the context of that passage is so important. 
Jimmy Land preached so well last week about Cornelius, this Roman centurion, over a hundred men, a, a military leader of Rome, kind of a consummate Gentile, if you will, in the outskirts of the land of Israel. And Cornelius was a man who somehow, we don't know how, but somehow God was working in his life. He was, the Bible says, a devout man, a fear of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We don't know how, but he was. He was known as that. He was a man who gave to probably the local synagogue or maybe to the temple even in Jerusalem. He was known as a giver, and he was known as a man who prayed a lot. And God sent a messenger to him. God sent an angel to him, which is stunning because if you know Scripture, you know that for an angel to visit a Gentile was way weird. Very unusual, for God sent his messengers to his people normally. But he sent his messenger to Cornelius, and he said, Cornelius, your prayers have been answered. You need to send for this man, Peter, who's staying 31 miles from you down the coast of the Mediterranean in a town called Joppa. And so Peter is summoned to see Cornelius. We have to understand what Peter's context is too. Peter is a Jew. Peter is the, is the disciple that walked with Jesus for three years, one of the 12. And Peter is a man that saw Jesus be crucified, be buried, resurrected, and ascend. And, and he heard Jesus say things like, Go, you, therefore, into all the world, to all the nations, and make disciples. He heard Jesus say, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the parts of the world. Peter heard Jesus say all those things, and then he saw the Holy Spirit be poured out, and he experienced being poured out into him as, as he and his fellow disciples were able to preach the good news of Jesus in all sorts of known languages at the time. He'd seen all this happen, and he saw thousands of people respond. And then he saw the persecution happen where the church was scattered around the known world and a lot of churches popping up all over the place as God scattered his people into the known world. And he also saw how God had really at this point limited mainly to the Jewish people or at least those with some Jewish roots as he moved to Jerusalem. And then God poured his spirit out on Samaria, which was a mixed race people. And now he has Peter preaching in churches that were more and more non-Jewish, but still had some Jewish roots. And you may say, well, Steve, tell me, fill me in on why the Jewish people were so important in this. Well, understand that in Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham. Abraham, go and be the father of a great nation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how to make a nation. And, and Abraham's like, I got a wife who's 75 and I'm 95, and that's not going to happen. But God miraculously brought that into being. And he brought this people into being, this special people that he was going to use to bless the world. And they wound up in slavery in Egypt, and God miraculously rescued them from slavery. And he brought them across the Red Sea miraculously into their land, ultimately, after 40 years of wandering. And he, he gave them their land, and the people of God had seen all kinds of miracles, but they had this rebellious streak in them, kind of like all of us. And they constantly move through this series of rebellion, defeat, oppression, repentance, restoration. And that was a cycle they went through over and over and over again until God gave them the King David, who was amazing. 
brought them incredible success, and they became worshipers of God in a whole new way. But when David died and his son Solomon died, there was a series of mostly evil kings, which ultimately landed them in exile, taken out of their land. Seventy years later, they were able to return to their land, but they were still an oppression of another nation ruling them. And eventually, they found themselves at the time of Jesus under the control of Rome. And to that is what Jesus, where Jesus came to pay the price, to be the ultimate sacrifice. They learned about sacrifice their whole lives, about without the shedding of blood, there is no redemption of sin, and Jesus is that ultimate sacrifice. And so everything is still in the Jewish context. And Jews were known, one of the ways they were known, one of the ways they identified themselves was they had these dietary laws. And you've heard of this, right? There is uh, certain kinds of animals you were allowed to eat that were clean and certain kinds that were not clean. Things like lamb, beef, clean, they were allowed, but if no reptiles, no shellfish, no bacon. Man, I don't know. That's tough. No lobster, no shrimp, no bacon. But that's how they define themselves. It was how they told themselves that we are different. We are God's special people. And they were. They were special people that God wanted to use to ultimately raise up this incredible Messiah, Jesus Christ. And now the mystery of his plan is about to be revealed that God wants to reach beyond his people. And God is about to Share his message with everybody, not just those who have roots that lead back to Abraham. And he's about to break down the barrier between Jew and Gentile. So at 3 o'clock one afternoon, God sends a messenger to Cornelius. And at noon the next day, the following passage happens. Verse 9 of chapter 10, the word of the Lord says this. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Now, in those days, Mediterranean homes were generally one-story homes, and they would have, though, a roof patio. And on that roof patio, there would be an awning or a canvas that would shield them from the sun, and they could feel a better breeze up there. So it was a kind of a a cool place to be, especially in the summer, and it was a place you could go away from the home, away from everybody else, and have a little privacy. So Peter goes up there to pray, and while he's praying, it probably happens to you sometimes, he begins to get hungry. And in those days, you would have usually a light breakfast, and then you would have a heavy meal probably later in the afternoon. And so there'd be quite a bit of time, and so you could understand why he would be hungry. But maybe in his prayer, God is wanting to get hungry so he could begin to think about food, because God's about to reveal something amazing about food. So he's praying, and he goes into some kind of a trance a sleep, almost passes out kind of thing. And then something incredible happens. Verse 
11 says this. He went into a trance and he saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by the four corners upon the earth. In it all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three thing, three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. It's quite a dream. It's quite a vision. I mean, I've been hungry before and had some weird dreams, amen? But it didn't happen three times. And always in Scripture, when something happens three times, it's something we really, really need to pay attention to. And the point is that it wasn't just a crazy dream. And Peter's thinking, man, I would sure like to have some lobster. Man, I would sure like to have some ham. Boy, that would be incredible. I'd sure like to have some crawfish, Lauren Havard. Man, I'd love to have something like that that is, un no, it's not, that's not the point. The point is it happens three times. There's a voice from God. And on this canvas or on this sheet that comes down from heaven are all kinds of animals, which means there were clean and unclean. So there probably were some cattle, probably was some sheep, would have been some, some pigs, would have been probably some shellfish, maybe even some reptiles. Don't know why anybody need a reptile, but who knows. Um, some very good things. And the voice says, Peter, you need to kill and eat. Rise, kill, and eat. And Peter's like, there's no way. I can't do that. That would change who I literally am. You see, I'm defined by the fact that I obey the dietary laws of the Jews. That, that defines me. That makes me different from everybody else. And in reality, the thought probably was that that means I have a special relationship with God, and even a special deal with God. Let me ask you, do you have a special deal with God? Do you have some kind of a special background, maybe a heritage, maybe even an ethnicity that you feel like gives you a special in with God that you're kind of depending on? And this could be if you're Jewish, you may feel that way. I'm one of God's people. Maybe from a certain religious tradition and you were uh, brought up from the time you were born and you were raised up to believe that because you were raised in that tradition that you have a deal with God. And if you were to ever step out of that, that you would lose that connection and that specialness with God. See, this is what keeps a lot of people from coming to Christ because they think they're already covered by some kind of a special arrangement. But listen carefully. The only specialness we have is if we have responded to the gift of Jesus Christ. So your relationship with Jesus is the only thing that makes you special. See, it's not about what we eat or what we do. It's about who we love and who loves us. It's not about who you were born to be. It's about who you were reborn to be. And we've got to get that in our thinking. 
how Peter was right to say, I can't do that because I'm, I'm one of God's people and I shouldn't be doing that. But God is redefining what his people look like. It's moving from an ethnicity to a people that have responded to him. So Peter is no doubt pondering all this, and God continues his revelation. Verse 17 says this, Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. I love that. Have you ever heard from God and go, man, I don't know what that meant. I got I to gotta unpack this. I got I to gotta talk to somebody. I got to think and pray about it. I love those times, actually. God, what are you saying? I want to hear. Do you know that God wants you to know what he's thinking and doing more than we want to know? He is so present. If we can just get ourselves out of the way, we can understand what he wants. It's just so much of the time we want to impress upon him what we want, don't we? God, I really want to follow you, follow you, but I really want this job. God, I really want to follow you, but I really need this. Really, the reality is, God, I want to follow you, period. End of story. I want to know what you want me to do. And I hope as graduates, you guys are coming to him saying, God, I'm ready for what's next. I have an idea what I want it to be, but God, I want to trust you. I want to follow you. So Peter's inwardly perplexed. And incidentally, that's a good place to be. Wondering, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? I'm listening. He's wondering what the vision that he had seen might mean. When behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you and come to his house and hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest, and the next day he rose and went with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied them. Have you ever really had some great time with God? I mean, some, you know, some good prayer time, and you're reading your Bible, and maybe you're, you're singing some worship music, or maybe you're listening, to, and you're just praying, and you're just really having a, a good moment with God when someone goes, hey, I came to see you. My first response is, that's of the devil. I'm grateful that Peter didn't think that. You see, what's about to happen in Peter's life is an extension of the message God just sent him. I don't like to be interrupted. I don't know if it's because I'm old. I just don't like to be interrupted. I'm talking to God. Don't bother me with your problems with someone who needs Jesus, right? That's how we can be. I mean, I'm embarrassed. I, you know, you know the story of my friend Angel Cruz that came to the church one day in West Palm, and I got a message from the security guard saying, hey, someone here wants to see Jesus, wants to know Jesus. And I'm like, oh, for sure, right. But I went down. I got to let him to Christ. He's a godly man today. 
Peter's interrupted, and God says to him, which incident, when you're interrupted, a good question might be, so God, are you doing something in this interruption? Is this something I need to respond to? And the Spirit says to him, you need to go down there and meet these men because I've sent them. You see, the interruption completes the vision because Peter has just heard that what I have made clean, don't say is unclean. So how do I apply that? Well, there's a man that you would consider to be unclean who sent people to you that you need to go to and help them become clean. That's what God has said to Peter. See, that's an extension of the message. It completes it. It's not just about food. It's about who you're going to love. It's about who you're going to be like because now I've removed the thing that separates Jews and Gentiles and now everyone is going to be open to hearing and be able to hear the word of God and welcomed into the kingdom of God, Peter. You need to go to him. You see, when God shows us what he's doing, as Henry Blackaby used to say, that's our invitation to join him. When you see God at work, that's your invitation to get involved and go, wait a minute, I I need to go see what God is doing. And that's exactly what Peter does. He listens to God, even though it's against everything that he ever really learned, and he follows him and he prepares to go see Cornelius, which we'll talk about next week. There's, There's three things I want us to see from this passage, three things I want us to take away and apply to our lives. And the first is, God actually speaks through his timing. God actually speaks through his timing. Pay attention to what happens right after you hear God's voice, right after he shares something, right after you get some revelation, right after you hear a message about engaging people who are far from God. Be aware of what happens next. God's timing really matters. Many of you know, early in our marriage, Julie and I were living in Houston, Texas, and we loved Houston. We loved it. I mean, how could you not love it? Barbecue, seafood, and Mexican all in one place. I mean, it's phenomenal. You could, never mind. Um, But I had a job opportunity. It was time for me to take a new job, and I was about to move, and we were really debating, and we did get an opportunity to come to South Florida, and, and we came. A month later, the same company that hired me had a position in Houston, Texas. We could have stayed, and we're like, how in the world we're here in this very different place called South Florida, let's say. Of all kinds of crazy people, most of which are in this room. Praise God for that, right? I love that about South Florida. We could have stayed. We could have enjoyed it. We could have enjoyed our friends that we had made that had walked us through the process of getting married. But now we're in South Florida. It was just a month different, God. And we went to the Lord with that. And he said, yes, it was a month different because I knew you'd never leave. God speaks through his timing. And he brought us here, established us here. We moved away and were able to come back. And I'm so glad that God brought us here in 1987. God speaks 
through his timing. God timed it out perfectly. At three o'clock one day, he appears to Cornelius. He sends his guys out. It's a 31-mile trip. They get there at noon the next day. Not sure if they stayed in a, in a day's in on the way or what, but they got there at noon. It was just enough time so that just as Peter's vision is finishing, these guys arrive. Pay attention to the timing of what happens in your life because God is speaking through it. Second, God's salvation. This incredible gift of being forgiven, of having my sin paid for by Jesus Christ so that things are right between me and God so that his spirit can live inside of me and I can spend eternity in heaven. God's salvation is an undeserved gift. Not a right reserved for special people. I'm blown away that I have had the privilege to know Jesus. When millions of people don't. It's something we'll never understand. But we have to do our best to remedy, right? That we want everyone to know. Tomorrow is Memorial Day in the United States. And Memorial Day is the day when we remember those who have given their lives for this nation. We need to spend some time tomorrow, I urge you, to thank Jesus for the men and women who died so that we could have this incredible nation. We don't deserve it. We don't. I travel, you travel outside the country, you come home, you can't believe what we enjoy here because of the sacrifice of others. You know, the same is true of our salvation. I did not earn it. I didn't come from a special heritage that somehow deserves Jesus. I don't know how it happened, but I'm incredibly grateful that it has because there are millions who never hear, who never have a credible witness from a credible church of who Jesus is. So we need to live in reality of how great, of how wonderful it is to know Jesus. Imagine if you never heard that you could be forgiven. Imagine if you were living your life constantly trying to be good, constantly trying to be good and better than anyone else, and you could never be sure. But now there's Jesus who paid the price for my sin. My only goodness is because of Jesus. It's stunning to think what he's done for me and for you. It's an undeserved gift. It's what we call grace. It's not a right reserved for special people. Sometimes in our church life, we can kind of get inward and we, we just talk to our friends in the church and man, you need friends in the church. That's why we're here. If you're new to our church, know that we're a church. We want to know you. We want you to have friends. If you don't want to know anybody, we'll try not to annoy you too much, but we really want you to know people and have friends you're walking through life with. But know this, the church is not to be your only world. We need to reach out to those that God wants us to help know Jesus. And that's why, number three, we need to understand that God is already at work in unlikely people that he wants us to reach. 
Peter would have thought of Cornelius as someone who was absolutely unreachable. Outside of God's plan, let me ask you, who do you think is absolutely unreachable? Who is beyond the reach of God? That might be exactly the person God is working in. Different ethnicities, different locations, and yes, different lifestyles that God is working in. It's amazing what he is already doing in people that we don't even know yet. See, God is at work in unlikely people in unlikely places. I love the story that my pastor friend uh, Wilfred Gathongo tells in Kenya. We met him in 2006, and he's a godly pastor among the tribal peoples in Kenya, and uh, he tells the story of visiting tribes in their huts and them handing him a jug to drink out of that had a cross on it. And he said, where does this cross come from? Why is there a cross on this jug? And he found it was on everyone in that whole village had a cross on their jug. And he said, why do you have a cross on this jug? And they said, we don't know. We just know our ancestors have always had a cross on their jug. And Wilfred had the privilege of telling him what that cross was all about. The cross commemorates Jesus who paid the price for our sin. And he was able to share the gospel. And the whole village came to Christ as a result of that. Why? Because Jesus was already at work in that tribe. He just needed Wilford to come along and fill in the gaps. You see, engaging our culture and helping people know Jesus is not about going out and generating interest. That's God's job. It's not about doing all the work to bring somebody to Christ. It's simply about doing your part along the way. Your part might be today just to show someone some grace and some love. Just to encourage someone. Just to smile. Or it might be to answer some key questions for them. Or simply to tell them your own Jesus story. See, God's already at work. And sometimes, honestly, we got to quit banging our head against the people who aren't responding and look for the ones who are responding. Sometimes there's people we so want to come to Christ and we need to still pray for them, still love on them, but we need to not miss the ones that God is drawing to us who might be ones we would least expect he would draw. See, God is bigger and greater than we can imagine. He's doing amazing things in people that we think are so far from God they'll never respond. Don't count on it. We serve an awesome and a mighty and a wonderful God. We need to engage our world because it's bigger than you think. God is doing things that are way beyond what we can imagine. God speaks through his timing. God's salvation is an undeserved gift, not a right for special people. He's already at work and unlikely people that he wants you to reach. Engage your world. Pray, God, how can I help someone take their next step? How can I help someone graduate into becoming a, fo a follower of Jesus? That needs to be our prayer today. And so for those of you who are considering Jesus, I would urge you today, God's timing matters. Today is the day of salvation. Would you say yes to Jesus. The fact that you get to hear the message of Jesus is something that millions around the world would love to hear. Millions throughout history have missed out on hearing. 
And I can't ever guarantee you that there'll be another day. Would you say yes to Jesus Christ? I repent of my sin. You are the only way for me to be right with God. I want you to come into my life and make me a new creation and live through me so that I can live with you forever in heaven. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.